else on the agenda today? Um, I know that uh, Hank and Craig are going to talk about binge watching and Castle Rock and Terminator and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, Brennan's going to talk about Elvira, sort of the spirit of Halloween still hanging over her shoulder from yesterday. Um, Tony and Kathy want to talk about The Mandalorian. I want to talk about The Deuce a little bit, and if time permits, maybe some comics as well. Um, but why don't we start with uh, Tony and Kathy? If you guys are ready and raring to go, let's talk uh, Mandalorian news. Very excited about in two weeks' time, we're going to be able to watch Disney Plus, and Disney Plus will have some new Star Wars content in the form of television Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. uh, back Way back in 2009, they had actually announced that there would be a new Star Wars TV show uh, back when Lucas was actually involved in this and they decided it was going to cost too much money. So the first thing Disney was talking about when they took over from Lucasfilms is like, yes, we're going to have TV. I don't think it had been announced yet that they were doing the Disney Plus, but they, you know, they were on top of this. So um, they were going to do a swashbuckler type show um, the, well, Lucas was going to do like something about, uh, you know, bounty hunters and stuff. So now they've taken it one step forward and they're now doing a show about a bounty hunter called the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. There was rumors that Boba Fett was going to get his own show or his own movie, but I heard that's squashed yeah, in I think, favor of this one. I kind of, I think it's kind of funny that a lot of people don't really know, you know, who the Mandalorian is, but there's people actually, uh, my brother called me and said, is the Mandalorian Boba Fett? No. No, he's not. So Boba Fett is not in this time era uh, that we know of at this point. If he shows up later, he shows up. But this is a person uh, who we've never seen before, a character we've never met before, and other characters that are happening, uh, that have happened, that are happening, that are coming into fold five years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so like, so ignorance here, but like, it, it, the Mandalorian is that like the the race that Boba Fett is, or what is that? Oh gosh, you just opened a huge can of worms. Okay, so it depends on which you go by. If you go by Legends, which is not canon, or if you go by the Rebels and the Clone Wars, which is canon. So uh, those are the the cartoons. Yeah. Okay, let's right. go by the cartoons. Okay, cartoons, which is canon. So Mandalorians then are, are a race of people who settled on the planet of Mandalore. Um, according to canon, um, Jango Fett and Boba Fett are not Mandalorians. Ooh, scandal. I know, I know, right? So according to them, uh, I think it was in the Clone Wars, um, the the guy who was the leader of the Mandalorians told um, Obi-Wan Kenobi that Jango Fett was not a Mandalorian. He was mainly a bounty hunter who had stolen uh, Mandalorian armor. Huh. So I don't know if that's going to come into play at all in this, the Mandalorian or not. I don't know. I think that uh, doing this without the Boba Fett and without the things that we know before, they can really open up a lot of doors as to a new, you know, a new race that we don't really know anything about. We've only seen the Mandalorians in the cartoons, so this is actually kind of exciting. It's going to be a live-action thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of saw this here. The Mandalorian, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. 
Mm. I know there's a pop figure that's just called The Mandalorian. And it looks sort of like Boba Fett, like with the armor, but it's not Boba Fett. That is him. That is The Mandalorian. Yeah, that is the that is the character you're seeing in the pop figures and all the toys now are coming out. Yeah. The, the thing that excites me the most about this is it's going to be television. And I don't know... We've never seen anything like this before, and I love going to see Star Wars movies, but, you know, we're going to talk about The Deuce in a bit, but Game of Thrones, The Deuce, and, and a lot of other shows that we've watched, they come on. There are eight episodes. You can really draw out a story, get to know characters. It's not like a bang, here's your two-hour movie. So that's exciting for me. I'm excited about actually watching Star Wars on the TV with new content. Well, I like that it's Jon Favreau at the helm and he is a true star wars fan and like i yeah. really like his work I, I i love swingers i love a lot of his early movies and uh I, I think to have somebody at the helm who truly loves it is going to make a huge difference on what gets presented yeah. on the screen the, the people that are doing it are also people that have done the clone wars and uh, a lot of other stuff star wars stuff so that's good i think uh, the big question though will the mandalorian appear if they do a modern version of the star wars christmas special <laughs> <laughs> that was Boba Fett's original appearance, right? So yes. I'm just saying, just putting that out there. If they redo a new Christmas special, I hope the Mandalorian will show up. Um, you know, the the punch, mm, uh, the punch TV people are doing a uh, a Christmas special right away. Maybe the Mandalorian will uh, will show up there. Who knows? <laughs> hey, no, no spoilers now. Yeah, no spoilers. Awesome. And and Pedro uh, Pedro Pascal is the uh, the star, and he's an awesome actor. So I'm looking forward to seeing him too. There exciting All Star right. Wars remember you have to get your uh, Disney Plus though apparently yeah. okay well let's uh, turn things over to Hank and Craig next and and they have a giant list of stuff that they want to talk about hey thanks Jody it's Craig Siliphant and Hank here and we're going to talk about some things we're excited about this week what are you excited about Hank Ooh, what am I excited about the brand new Terminator, Terminator. get down it's not the chopper <laughs> have you been eating all the other kids lunches stop it uh, that's so, why I'm excited that's why I'm excited about it yep. so I was trying to explain to a buddy of mine like why I was excited about this now we've obviously seen a lot of crappy Terminator movies how many Terminator movies are there uh, I forgot. I was going to look it up. Well, there's like the first least, three. And then there's another three. Then there's there? the, Sel was Salvation the one after that? Uh, then there was the the last one there. Uh, am I missing one in between? So I think you're missing one in between. Terminator, Terminator 2, then Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, yep. Terminator Salvation, Terminator... There's one Genesis and Dark Fate. Yeah. Okay, so I was right. Genesis uh, was the Genesis title I was missing, one, yeah. but I got the... So... Uh, Anyway, I was like, every time one of these stupid movies come out, uh -huh. I'm compelled to go see it. Yes. And it, it, they always suck. They do. Uh, but I was trying to explain to my buddy, like, it, there was obviously the first one, which is very, like, rewatch that one now. It holds up and better even. It's it's so tight and minimal tight. and it's, dark. It's dark. Yeah. And where the second one, they went, oh, I got, you know what? I know a way we can make some more money. Right. What's that? Have it not be super cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, like, but it's, let's go see it. But yeah. it's like it's its own. I mean, again, it's nostalgia. I was fourteen or something. Uh, it was like what ninety one that came out. How old are you? Oh my god, so old. Uh, you know, ninety one. I think that one came out. You know, I was like 14, 15 years old. It's blasting Guns and Roses. It's blowing oh, everything yeah. up. I actually uh, was one of my favorite movies when it came out. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. The video game, like the old school, like on Nintendo. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Oh, I gotta play this. Right. So him and the shotgun and the on the motorcycle and the who. With uh, with Danny Cooksey from Different Strokes. Uh, uh, anyway, the the point being like that 
I'm I'm always trying to recapture those first two movies, uh, and it, it never happens. But like I, I'm just going to be a sucker every time. I guess is what I'm saying. I'll, I'll give them my money. I want to see it. And uh, James Cameron's back to do little little producing there. So maybe that'll help. Maybe things. I don't know. He's a pretty busy guy, so I don't know how he had time for this. But yeah, whatever. well, exactly. He's got his name on it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how that one turns out. I guess. But we're but, gonna go uh, check it out tonight I as soon as we're done to, here. Um, Arnie on uh, Stern last week, mm-hmm. and uh, he was very happy with how they were promoting the movie. He said because this time they didn't give too much away in the trailer. So I'm guessing everything that's in the trailer is pretty much near the start of the movie, um, and then we get to see something completely different. So I'm I'm excited about that. So should we be like? Optimistic yep. or skeptical that no, optimistic. Uh, Linda Hamilton's back? Oh, did you see the pipes on her? God, I feel bad about myself. Oh, yeah. She's, she's gonna, amazing. Yeah, she's going to kick some ass. Yeah. She's got a great arc, too. Between the first one, she's this very, like, soft, fluffy uh, waitress. Mm-hmm. And then by the, but by the second one, she's just ripped, like, ass kicker. Yeah. And now she's still the same. Still the same. Yeah. Gonna kick some ass. Well, we'll see what they we'll see what they do with the story and stuff. I mean, we're gonna check it out as soon as we're done here tonight. So, uh, so I have been watching Castle Rock. Yes. Season two. Tell us about season two. I finished season one. Um, I think within. I don't know, two days when it, because uh, they released it all together, correct? I think, or, or I if not, I waited till they had released them all and then we watched them in right. two days. Awesome. But I haven't started the second one, so tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say about season one, like, uh, it, some of it was better than other parts of it, but like, I, I did like it. And it had one of the best episodes that was on TV last year, which was the Sissy Spacek kind of jumping through time with her Alzheimer's. Uh, just a brilliant episode, and she is amazing in it. But uh, season two, so if you don't know, what the show is it's like uh basically torn from the universe of stephen king so just i mean castle rock is the name of a fictional town that's in a lot of stephen king uh and i'll I'll talk about season two without giving too much away here but um the main character this time around is annie wilkes who you'd remember from misery oh so lizzie kaplan from masters of sex uh, and she's in it she plays uh Annie Wilkes and she's I love Lizzie Kaplan she's great and she's kind of doing like it's funny because they're not really in the same universe if anything it's kind of alternate universe really because obviously Misery takes place in the uh, 80s or whenever it came out and this one takes place now but uh, she's playing like you can tell she's fashioning her performance on uh, Kathy Bates' performance in Misery which was uh, also a brilliant performance Uh, and then there's other characters popping up like uh, Ace Merrill if you remember you remember Ace Merrill Who's Ace Merrill? Ace Merrill was Kiefer Sutherland in Stand oh, By Me, the yes, kind okay. of bully guy that follows mm-hmm. the four boys. Uh, there's the Marston House, uh, just made an appearance in uh, episode two that I watched uh, last night. Nice. I'm a couple episodes behind, but uh, that was from Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. And so Salem's Lot, we find, uh, is basically across a bridge from Castle Rock. So they're bringing in a lot more of those elements. I've just watched the first couple of episodes so far, and uh, I'm I'm digging it so far. So I never looked, but is Stephen King part of it? Like, is he a producer? Did he help them no, write anything? No, I don't anything, think so. Like, it's, I think it's mostly, I'm not sure about season two specifically, but I think it was more of a J.J. Abrams thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, obviously King is part of it in the sense that he's probably cashing giant Old paychecks. Big but checks. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that he's, I don't think he's real hands-on creatively involved, though. 
And uh, is that necessarily a bad thing? I know we talk, talked about Stephen King before, so that's not a bad thing. But no. using his work, like, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, like it's like the first season, like, especially like in episode one, it's like, oh, well, they've got the prison here. So I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. right. They had Shawshank. They had Sheriff Pangborn from like oh, Needful yeah. Things and the Dead Zone and stuff. It's it's a neat way to bring all these things in and kind of reimagine some of them even. Uh, and it's done pretty tastefully, like even the kind of fan service in some of it. It's not... It's it's really tastefully done. It's like even the if you didn't know what Marston House was and stuff, like you wouldn't know by watching it. Yeah. Like they don't and you don't need to know. What no, you don't need it, yeah. to know. But they they're not like oh look wink 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 like there they might be a cool shot of it or something that and that people that are kind of in the know go like oh it's Marston House. But if you didn't know, it would just yeah, be like hey here's a creepy house it. and we're gonna tell part of the story around this house. And in but, order to get to this creepy house, you have to walk through this pet cemetery. Yeah, huh? <laughs> come this way. You're like hmm. No, son, we only sell red balloons here. <laughs> uh, so um, you have been reading a new book. Okay, Tegan and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Tegan and Sarah, and if you don't, uh, well, you're obviously wrong. Uh, their new album there you go. is awesome. Um, so far, I believe it's either tied for my favorite album of the year or pretty darn close. It's pretty darn close. So they wrote a book to go along with it or the album to go with the book, one of the two. But it's uh, about uh, their high school experience writing from both of their perspectives. So at the start of each chapter, it'll have either Tegan or Sarah. Right. And then you go through from uh, but their journey from uh, the beginning of uh, high school to the end. Um, actually, I found it quite fascinating, and especially because they're talking about parts of Canada that I have been to before, and I'm like, oh, well, I've been there, and I know what they're talking about. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I won't go into it, but if fans of Tegan and Sarah buy the book, worth every penny. If you don't know who Tegan and Sarah are, the book's still cool to uh, see about two uh, teenage girls uh, growing up. Um, well, you should really figure out who Tegan and Sarah yeah, are. And, and if mean... you don't know, like, come on, come on. So uh, we got a couple of minutes here left, maybe like two minutes, and I just want to ask you a question. I don't know if you read anything this week about the uh, the idea that Netflix is experimenting with putting in a higher speed of play so that you can binge things faster. So basically it would be like it would play at like 1.5 speed or something. And of course some filmmakers are suddenly like freaking out about this because it obviously perverts their intention. Mm-hmm. What do you think about something like that? Would you uh, rather binge um, it faster or would you rather see it as it was intended I, to be seen? I would agree with the filmmakers on that one. If you don't have time to watch the show, then don't watch the show. Yeah. Like you don't need to what are you speeding it up? That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh-uh. <laughs> I think it's pretty crazy. Like why like No. What's the point of that even? I mean, I guess like you can turn it off. Obviously, you don't have to use it. So I mean, you know, there is the argument you could say, well, if you don't want to use it, just don't use it. But it's like, why? Why waste the time even to put it? Um, I know a certain somebody, her name is Brenda, who I work with, who uh, likes to listen to her audiobooks sped up so she can get through the book faster. You're like, why? She's like, well, why listen to normal speed? Somebody read when they could be reading like this. Right. 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 I'm like, how do you even hear that thing going on? I'm like, oh my goodness. Then you miss the uh, the nuances of a Correct. great performance when they're reading the book. So I, I don't agree. No, I'm upset now. I'm angry. I'm right. angered about Well, that's good. Thanks, that's what I was I'm trying angry. to do was angry up so we can go see this Terminator well, Let's go movie. see Terminator. All right. I'm angry. All right, maybe we'll come back and uh, tell you next week what we thought of Terminator, but we're going to go check that out now. So back to you, Jody and the gang. All right, so uh, a lot of things to uh, think about. But before we go any further with their stuff, um, okay, please fill us in on the Elvira news, Brennan. I would like to, keeping up with our week of, of spookiness around our culture and things and the fact that 
Um, many people are probably out celebrating Halloween and things last night. I thought I would talk about Elvira and her brand new documentary called In Search of Darkness. So right now, it's the Elvira Collector's Edition, which is a limited run. And what it is, she has filmed a documentary uh, based specifically on 1980s horror films. Um, and what she does, she goes through every year from 1980 to 1989, and she talks about her favorite horror moments and memories, her favorite films, and why she loves this genre of movie. There are 45-plus contributors and people that she interviews, including John Carpenter, uh, Don Bradley, who's an actor in the Hellraiser franchise, um, Heather Lagenkamp, who is one of the actors in A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm pretty sure she's the one in the bathtub when the glove comes up. Um, and she talks to people in bands. And it's just apparently it's this extremely thorough, um, heartfelt documentary on 1980s horror. And if you order it through her website, it is only on sale for one month and apparently will never be available again. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that maybe you just can't get the collector's edition. Uh, I'm sure that's that's true. Um, but if you order it, you get what's called the most comprehensive documentary of 80s sci-fi and horror ever made. It's 280 minutes. Whoa. So it's a, it's a long documentary. You get an exclusive poster, a high-quality postcard featuring unique artwork from the documentary, a unique Elvira 1980s horror pin, which apparently is not available anywhere else, uh, a digital download of the documentary and the product itself, free worldwide shipping. Ta-da! So if you are any kind of horror movie fan and a fan of Elvira, I'm a big Elvira fan. So the fact this that exists makes me makes me happy. Um, what makes me even more happy is that I will be able to get a copy of it. Unlike and every one of you who are listening to the show right now, because the deadline was midnight, October 31st. So if I was really planning ahead, I probably should have told you about this last week. But uh, these things happen. Yeah. And, and like, I'm assuming that this is just like the collector's edition. You'll still be able to get your hands on just like a regular edition. You might not have the pin and stuff. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I remember correctly, you get your name in the credits as well if you get the edition. So I'm guessing they'll probably have like the regular edition, but this is the super ultra rare limited edition. But it sounds really fascinating. As someone who likes that kind of can't be 80s horror, it'd be a great, great find. Was there an Elvira... Like movie? No, I know there was a Vara movie. I think there was. Was there two movies? There then, was two movies. Yeah. Was there also a TV show? Like, oh, there was a pilot of a TV show as well. Well, her first TV show was very much like the Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah. Uh, it was called Midnight Macarb or Movie Macarb, I think. Mm. If someone could fact check that for me, okay. that was her first show. And basically, she would do an introduction to a movie, and then they'd show these old horror movies. Right. Um, if you happen to have Tubi TV, which is an app where they had just. It's my version of Netflix. It's things that no one else would watch. It's on Tubi TV. <laughs> and there's a show on there called 13 Nights of Elvira, where she does the introduction to a movie, and then as the movie plays, she'll pop in and make comments. Right. Or, or like a pop-up video. They kind or, of, like, uh, there there have been different women who have uh, done this role over the years. I think she's probably in, indubitably the most famous. But there's a character that is basically Elvira that's like in the Ed Wood um, movie oh uh that, that's vampire yeah. yeah okay yes and if i remember correctly vampire i think actually tried to sue elvira when elvira became very famous for copyright infringement that the the likenesses were too close but that was that was thrown out so. stealing her shtick yeah but elvira is a character um she's actually made two two movies she has written four books uh i found here she's recorded 
was it five albums? Whoa. I had no clue. And oh. the Elvira costume is the best-selling female costume of all time. Uh, well, it's been around a really long time, uh, for sure. Uh, there's also a comic that's been out. Um, and it uh, we get a lot of covers, like a lot of variant covers for Elvira. So, you know, every month that it comes out, you get like five or six different covers. And she's really beloved by a lot of artists. Like people want to make homage art of Elvira. Mm-hmm. So there, the comic, there's uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Elvira, The Shape of, El- of Elvira. Right. Uh, both written by David Avalon. I hope that's how you pronounce his last name. That's how it's spelled. So, and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is more of a sci-fi horror comic where she's being chased through time by Vlad the Impaler, and she meets Edgar Allan Poe and these famous people throughout history. Now, the last issue, she was in hell and has to try to talk her way out of it. And then the shape of Elvira is like a take on the shape of water. She's hired to be part of this Holly, uh, this B movie set, and is part of this movie where a lot of it is more real than movie the creature might actually be a creature in itself so and, and they're good they're if you like that kind of humor like sort of campy humor um and you like the elvira character you will like the comic i mean it's not groundbreaking work no it's you're not going to read it and be like this is the comic that's going to get me into comics <laughs> but i find after i read something like doomsday clock or identity crisis i'll read elvira and be like hey this was a nice way just to sort of cleanse the mental palate a little bit Okay, so I found it here. It's called The Avira Show, and there's an unaired pilot. So she did a pilot for a show. I've actually watched the pilot. It's kind of like a, a full house type thing where she's like living with these people. Yeah. Oh. So watch that. Okay, I missed yeah. that one. I'll, I'll put <laughs> that on my one. watch list. Oh, oh, you should watch that one. And there's also something. Did you say something about the, uh, the search for the next Elvira? Did you see that one? Back no. in 2007, there was a show called The Search for the Next Elvira. Wow. So, and there's a picture of all kinds of women dressed up like Elvira. So, there we go. A cultural, a cultural icon. Cultural icon. In her own making. Wow. I'm, I'm most impressed with how great her legs still look because she's like 70 or something. I think so. 16 or 70. I looked that up. I think she's in some Photoshop maybe on the, (laughs) on the pictures maybe by this time. Maybe, but no, she's, she, her figure is still incredible. Incredible. And the Elvira movie was one of the movies I saw saw when I was young and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, and just one more quick plug in that vein. Um, if you like Elvira and segue a bit into Vampirilla, the vengeance of Vampirilla number one oh, yeah. was finally a good modern Vampirilla story. I read it and I was like, this is kind of the Vampirilla comic I've been waiting for for a while. So if you're interested in that, that's my quick comic plug for the day as well. Okay, nice. super sweet. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about The Deuce because it wrapped this week and it's a TV show that I have really been loving for the past two years. Um, and I know, Tony, you and Kathy have also been watching it and we've been kind of like, you know, catching up week to week as to what's been going on. So this is made by the um, same group that made The Wire, so jo- George Pelicanos uh, and uh, sort of the baby of James Franco and uh, he plays twins in this uh, in this TV show and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is also like an executive producer and uh, the two of those kind of big wigs in Hollywood they um, also fill a lot of other roles like they have big starring roles in it but they also um, contribute to like you know, some of the creative parts and definitely the uh, production and direction as well. So 
For well, people like me who do, have never seen it, what actually is the premise of the show? Okay, so the deuce is the slang term for basically Times Square. Um, back in the 70s when it was like porn theaters and hookers and all the nasty business of New York City conglomerating into like a, a pretty tight little square footage. And uh, it goes through the, the sort of the, the lives of all those people um, and the role that like feminism and, and, uh, and pornography played. It also really gets into the politics of New York City and how um, the scheming behind the scenes happened in order to clean up that area so that it could be developed into like the sort of disnified version that um, Times Square is today. Yeah, that's something I really liked of the finale, how they showed, you know, exactly what it looks like today, Times Square, in comparison to what we've seen over the last couple of years on the Deuce. It's yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, I don't want to give away too much of, like, the plot and the characters because I think it's a really good show and I, I want people to be able to engage in it and not have too many spoilers but there are a lot of characters that come and go um you know it was a violent world you know if you if you live in the sex trade whether it's through pornography or through its prostitution um you know you're gonna have some violence in your life and some of these people have some pretty unhappy endings Um, but it's it's fascinating to watch um just the production value of like the costumes and the sets and how they recreate 1970s New York City when it was like you know it was bad like everybody was moving out to the suburbs so like the people that were left behind the punk scene they don't really get into it but you can feel that gritty dissatisfaction and and just how society is kind of crumbling right in front of your eyes and how everything is corrupt it's fascinating it's a really really good show and I'm I'm sad that it's over because they're like kind of like my pals like I feel like every week I'd tune in and I'd get to see what my friends were up to yeah now it's like, well, what, what, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? I'm kind of a bit um, obsessed with the final episode, to be honest <laughs> with you. I can't stop thinking about it. I went to bed thinking about it for the last two nights, and I think about the people and what happened and, you know, what would have happened to these other people. And uh, I think it's, it's good when you see a movie or a TV show that actually brings you into it so much that you feel like you're, you're missing out um, when the last Game of Thrones happened, I didn't feel that way. I felt bad for Jon Snow, and that was about it. But this this TV show actually made me feel um, sad. I went. Uh, I feel sad about the the ending of some of these characters for sure. There's a lot of thought provoking material here because um, it really, especially through the eyes of the the character played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. She plays this gal named Candy. She's a prostitute, but she's a prostitute who never had a pimp. So, I mean, that has its own, you know, pros and cons that goes with it. Um, And then she gets herself out of prostitution by getting into pornography, first as an actress and then as a director, writer, producer. And so she's got this, like, sort of power shift that happens to her. And she is very, like, feminist. Uh, She is a strong woman. She does not take crap from anybody. Um... And so you you start to think of like, okay, well, so like maybe pornography is not so bad if it's like, you know, the women are empowered and they're not being pushed around and they are calling the shots. But then there's like another point of view that comes up again and again. It's like, well, okay, she's one of like 
a thousand or yeah. or or less like what about all the other women who get exploited by pornography and all the other women who even if you're not in the trade because it is so prevalent in our society that you know it reflects upon their lives no matter what so it's really interesting it, it brings up so many different ideas and questions um beyond just the the fiction of the show and i think that's what makes it so so strong and so compelling and so thought-provoking after the fact that it does stay with you and you can you know think about these issues long after the show is done and you're lying in bed at night yep yeah, well, i haven't <laughs> watched so it true. but i think i'll check it out that yeah like you should a... definitely Three seasons yeah each season's about eight or nine episodes and they're amazing yeah i really enjoyed this show uh, i can't think of another show that i've watched in the last few years that i enjoyed this much so yeah. Bye, Deuce. Bye, Deuce. Mm, gonna miss you. Guys. They, sad they could do a sequel and call it Deuce Two. Deuce, 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 Deuce. Are they better? Deuce, Deuce. There you go. Awesome. Well, that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. We didn't get to comics this week, but I promise we will nail that down next week. Um, a lot of number ones came out this week, and nothing really that stuck with me. I wasn't super impressed with a lot, but Harleen number two came out, and that was great. So you should pick that up. But anyways, we'll get more into that next week. So thank you for tuning in, and uh, we will chat at you in one week's time.